As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, Wizards fans? Welcome to the Wizards Tip-Off podcast presented by NBC Sports Washington. I'm Chase Hughes, your host. And yes, I know it's been a little while. It's been a few weeks since we had an episode, but... You know, I've been out of town, Chris has been out of town, it just hasn't come together, but we're back with an episode, and on today's episode, we have Michael Lee of Yahoo Sports, he's a national senior NBA writer, knows the league very well, but also knows the Wizards very well, having covered them for a long time for the Washington Post, and he remained in the Washington area for years before finally leaving us for Philly, uh, where he now sees a lot of the Philadelphia 76ers, so Mike and I are going to have a pretty wide-ranging discussion about the NBA offseason and how it pertains to the Wizards. Uh, We'll get his thoughts on Dwight Howard and how it can work in Washington because obviously it hasn't necessarily worked at other stops recently. Uh, Also, Kelly Oubre, as we look ahead to the final year of his rookie-scale contract, what is Kelly Oubre going to have this year, and what will it do for his chances of earning a big paycheck next summer? I think Michael Lee has an interesting perspective on that. Also talk to him about those Sixers and about what I think has been a horrible offseason for them. Um, you know, I, I think Michael has uh, an inside understanding of the Sixers, and uh, the answer he gave was was I think an interesting one, and, and certainly opened my eyes to their future and and the good that may come from this offseason, and also the bad if you look down the road and what the domino effect of swinging and missing on all those free agents this summer could mean for them. We'll also talk about the Hall of Fame class of Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Grant Hill, and Ray Allen, uh, some guys that I grew up watching, playing, and uh, you know, obviously uh, you know, had some great years in the NBA and very different careers for a lot of those guys. Maybe there's some parallels for Jason Kidd and Steve Nash, but Grant Hill, Ray Allen, truly unique talents in the history of the game, and Michael Lee certainly has some interesting thoughts on those guys. So we'll hear from Michael Lee He's at Mr. Michael Lee on Twitter. He writes for Yahoo Sports. Once again, he's a national senior NBA writer. And we'll hear from Michael Lee right after a short break. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. 
Now we welcome in Michael Lee, the senior writer for Yahoo Sports covering the NBA, uh, the entire league, a guy who knows the Wizards very, very well, having spent a lot of time in the area, but someone who now covers the league uh, from a a league-wide perspective. So we'll get his thoughts on the Wizards and also some things that have gone on uh, around the NBA this summer. It's been a pretty crazy summer, and Mike, that's where I want to start. You know, I, I cover just the Wizards. I don't cover the NBA, so I'm always interested in asking the perspective uh, kind of from the big picture. But what has this summer been like for you just covering the league from a national perspective with all the things went on? Because obviously it was another crazy offseason in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's always wild, especially when you consider that there was a whole lot of movement, a whole lot of big names, uh, switching teams and switching coasts. Um, but still, nobody moved any closer to taking out Gold State because they got the best possible big man uh, coming their way, making it a little more unfair. And, uh, <laughs> and so we're on to sort of everybody's playing for second now, but they managed to make, managed to make it entertaining, even though we all kind of know that the outcome is going to be what the outcome is going to be. It's almost like a, a romantic comedy. You know, in the end, they're all going to get together we still sit there and watch to see just how it all comes together. And that's sort of what's happening now. Uh, we all kind of know the ending. We're going to be entertained the next you know, couple of months in the process. Yeah, that's a good point. We kind of we know the ending, although now we we know, or I, I guess we feel pretty good that it's not going to be Cavaliers versus the Warriors against in the NBA Thank Finals. For that. <laughs> so at least get a new team there. Um, and obviously we'll be evaluating that for many, many months, and at least the Eastern Conference will be interesting. And I want to get to some um, to some league-wide stuff, including you know LeBron James and, and the wake that he's left in the Eastern Conference. But why don't we start with the Wizards? And obviously they had a pretty busy offseason considering that they didn't have a whole lot of room to work with financially, but they brought in Dwight Howard, and that's kind of the biggest move that they've probably made in quite some time. I'm curious from your perspective, you've seen him bounce around from team to team. You've seen him have these introductory press conferences where he said he wants to stay with that team for the rest of his career. What do you think needs to happen for that to be different this time, for the first time in years, for him to actually stay in Washington and make this the place that he can make a long-term home? Well, you got to wonder if, you know, the constant rejection, you know, um, has sort of led to some self-evaluation and self-reflection. Um, because I think that's sort of where he has to be. Because if he's going to sit back and deflect and say, oh, well, they're just haters, and, you know, they just didn't want me to succeed, and all, you know, at some point you got to connect the dots. You know, um, they may not be in a straight line, but he's the one that's bringing it all together. And the fact that he's went from Houston uh, to, you know, Atlanta and then Charlotte and got and went, bounced around all these places, and now it's just like a one-year rental for all these teams. Um, you got to sit back and evaluate, like, what what's happening? Why do teams view me as expendable? And I think if he can actually be introspective, try to understand how he contributed to these situations, then I think he can maybe turn this into a positive. But if he's going to be delusional and think that there's nothing wrong and that for some reason these teams just decided to persecute him, then it could be another problem, could be another uh, dangerous situation. I think the one thing that, you know, I, I talked to John Wall about it, you know, and he said basically, you know, he said, you know, Dwight said he, he's going to be a better teammate or he's going to be better. So prove it, show it to us. And I think that's sort of the position that he's in, you know. He can say anything. He can say what he's been saying all along, you know. 
like you like you said at his press conference, he was cracking great jokes and he was you know the corny jokes that everybody sort of <laughs> rolls their eyes at and then sort of chuckle at the end. He's been doing all that stuff, but you know situation is still getting worse at each stop. You know, I think for a guy to average 17 points and 13 rebounds, that, that those are amazing stats. But to be a salary dump and to be a player that the Brooklyn Nets say, we don't even want to mess around, we're going to buy you out the minute we get you, I think you have to sit there and sort of ask yourself, why is it not working out? Um, he's going to have to adjust his game. He's going to have to be happy with the fact that he's playing with a point guard who's going to spoon feed him more easy buckets than he probably ever had in his career. And he's going to have to be happy with that. And that's that's the one thing that you got you got to wonder. Is he going to be content with being that guy who catches lobs, who rolls to the basket for layups and dunks? Is he going to be content with that, or is he going to start demanding post touches? Because the way the Wizards are built and what their strengths are is not pounding the paint with back-to-the-basket, um, you know, production. They need a guy who can, you know, Protect the paint, rebound, and, and, and score easy baskets. That's really his only role. And I think one of the things is he might have a game where John Wall feeds him with a couple of lives, a couple of uh, you know easy layups, and then they start saying, okay, I got 10 points now. If I get a couple of push touches, I can, I can I maybe get up to 15 and I can get up to 16. But that might not be what he's going to be required to do. Is he going to be content with that? Um, but the only way it's going to work is if he decides that he will be, you know, because uh, Barchi Gortat's a different guy. You know, he, he was happy. Uh, well, not happy. He wasn't happy. The first couple of years, he was content with having John Wall, you know, feed him the ball, get him, you know, roll into the basket for layups and everything. He, he wasn't going to always be the Polish hammer, but he was going to get some nice layups. He had a great way of finishing at the rim and stuff. But I think that he was content with that because he was marching with Ty. Dwight Howard was Superman at one point. Dwight Howard was the game's best pick man. Dwight Howard is a guy in his first eight years in the NBA, author of a Hall of Fame worthy career. Everything he's doing now is just adding on to it, but not necessarily significantly raising his profile. Um, but I think that there are a couple of things that work in the Wizards' favor. One, all eyes of the league are going to be on Dwight Howard this year probably more so than any of the past two seasons because, you know, he's sort of, you know, drifted into irrelevance. He's been on teams that haven't been that good. But now people want to know, is White really going to be committed to winning? Um, and is he going to do it differently this time? And I think there's a lot of scrutiny that's going to come with that. He's going to have to adjust. So um, I think he's capable of it, but we'll kind of have to see it to believe it. Yeah, you make a lot of great points. That seems to be the type of personality traits that have held him back in a lot of different stops. And I wonder if it'll be a little bit easier to defer now uh, that he knows you know, it's John Wall and Bradley Beal's team rather than some of his recent stops where maybe they, there weren't those kind of solidified stars in the locker room. But I'm curious, in your time covering the NBA, have you seen some guys, I'm sure that you've seen some guys that weren't willing to change and never really got it, but have you seen some guys that, you know, maybe later in their career bought into a different role and actually kind of proved that type of criticism wrong? Um, is there reason to believe that Dwight Howard can be one of those guys? Um, there's only a couple guys I can think of who were able to reinvent themselves uh, coming from the superstar level to being a role player, 
and that's uh, Grant Hill's going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, but that was sort of forced upon him through health issues. Um, he sort of had to adjust because of his ankle injuries. He had to become a role player, but he was effective. And because at one point he was in the argument as the best player in the game, he was first team all NBA. Like he was a serious, you know, player. But his body broke down, and he had to adjust. But the only player I can think of who just sort of let time sort of take over and he adjusted against Carter. But he has a totally different personality than Dwight. Yeah, that's true. And even at, and even at his apex of his stardom, he never was a guy that seemed to just be, you know, kind of Judas sort of vain or, you know, um, you know, sort of caught up in their own hype. He never seemed to really be that kind of guy. So I think it was probably easier for him to make that adjustment because he had a personality that was more of a to please everyone around him. Dwight doesn't really have that personality. He wants everybody to have fun around him, but he doesn't necessarily want everybody. Um, he's he not really he's not really self aware enough to know how how what he does affects everyone in the room, and I think that's 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 a big difference. Um, the, a lot of times, big men in general are able to make that adjustment, um, but that usually comes with like being really advanced in age, like Alonzo Mourning. You know, he had health issues. Dwight hasn't really, he's had knee and back surgeries and shoulder surgeries and stuff, which sort of robbed him, you know, that explosiveness. But I think that, you know, him taking a lesser role has more to do with the mindset that he has to develop and, and his body basically telling him he can't do it anymore. Because we know he can. Last year he had a game with 30 points, 30 rebounds. Right. We know he can still, you know, jump up and have, you know, monster performances. But, is he going to be able to say, I can be the fourth option in Washington? You know, because you know, he had trouble being the two option with James Hart. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I think that, you know, for the Wizards to be who they're supposed to be, to really be a team that takes a, a leap and becomes relevant in the Eastern Conference, not just a regular playoff team. To, uh, Otto Porter has to be the third best player, or somehow even be gets in the top three. <laughs> yeah, if somebody else is in that equation, the Wizards aren't going that far, and that that's sort of the way I see it. Um, John and Brad are obviously the all stars on the team, but you know, to me, I feel like Otto is still their most important player in the in respect that in the respect that they have to recognize that they have to find a way to get him involved more, and to utilize what he can bring to the table a lot more than he did last year. And he's got to be healthy, too. So I just feel like it's Dwight going to be able to handle being that fourth option. That's going to be tough. Yeah, that's very true. Um, you know, you mentioned Otto Porter. His backup, Kelly Oubre, is entering a contract here. It's the final year of his rookie-scale contract, and I think he's a fascinating case uh, as you look ahead a year from now with free agency because he's so raw in terms of his talent. Uh, the skill set is emerging, but it's just so intriguing what he could potentially be and what he kind of needs to do to get there. How do you evaluate him as a guy entering his final year, and do you think the Wizards are smart by waiting and seeing to see what he puts together in this final year, or do you think they should do what some people have argued, and that was, you know, maybe trade him before this to get something for him while you risk losing him for nothing. 
well, he's restricted free agent. Am I right? Right. I mean, right. So they, they, but I mean, but I, with their I, salary cap situation, you know, there there's going to be some casualties at some point. At some point, yeah, but maybe that maybe now is the point. Maybe maybe he pushes Otto out of that spot. You know, if he plays if he plays at what he probably thinks he should play. Um, I think the one thing about Kelly is that the first half of last season, he really showed me some things. You know, he really, um, you know, was able to do a lot of things, creating off the dribble. He was a really good shooter. He was playing great basketball. Um, the second half of the season, he sort of tapered off, and, um, and he just wasn't that same player. Maybe injuries or something sort of robbed him or took, took away his contributions. But if he can play the way he played the first half of last season and keep that level of play consistent for an entire, you know, 82-game season, he's going to make himself a lot of money, whether it's Washington or anybody else. But is he going to be dedicated enough to make sure that he doesn't allow for that drop-off or that when teams adjust to him, he'll have a counter to make sure that he can still keep elevating it and, and, and raising his game? But I think, you know, obviously defensively, he has to potentially be a really solid contributor if he focuses on that end. And offensively, you know, he, he, like I said, the first half of the season, I was looking back like, okay, he might have a lot more than I thought. And maybe this off season, fueled from a, a poor second half, he can look at things and say, okay, I know that there are things I can get better at. I know there are things that I proved I can do in this league. And the motivation of a contract never hurt anybody. I mean, you think about it, the Wizards, John Wall's the only guy that they gave an extension to um, you know, in advance of his, you know, fourth year. Uh, and basically told Brad Bradley Beal to go out there and earn it. He went there he went out there and earned it. Mm-hmm. He went to Otto Porter go out there and earn it. He went out there and earned it. Um so I think that, you know, they're giving Otto the same challenge and he's gotta make the most of it. You know, and I think um the opportunity will be there for him. He's just gotta make sure that he doesn't squander it or get too into his own head um, because I think that, you know, he has the ability to just, does he, does he have the proper mindset? Yeah, that's a good point. The Wizards have had a pretty good recent history of allowing these guys to prove it and, and kind of force the issue and and make it, put the onus on them to pay them the money that they deserve, and it's worked out pretty well. Um, you lived in D.C. for a long time, but you moved to Philadelphia, so I'm sure you, you hear plenty about the Philadelphia 76ers. Is it is there any other way to say it than they had a horrible offseason? I mean, obviously there was the burner Twitter account scandal, um, but obviously there was also Zaire Smith getting hurt. That was really tough, but I can't help but focus on the fact that they were rumored and linked to all these guys, LeBron, Paul George, all these free agents, also Kawhi Leonard, in trades, and they seem to swing and miss on all of them. Um, what do you think the feeling should be about the Sixers this offseason, given it wasn't as fruitful as a lot of people thought it would be? Um, well, one, they definitely need a general manager. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I don't know what Brian Colangelo would have been able to work any different magic, you know, if he was there or not. I, don't, I think we know now that LeBron has been gearing up to go to Los Angeles for a long time, so Philly wasn't really a serious house for him. Paul George seemed committed to Oklahoma City. He did before he entered free agency, so there never was anything there. Um, I think if I'm Philadelphia, I have to think of a couple things. Yeah, they, they blew it in free agency. This was their window to add a, a big-name free agent. Uh, 
because next year they're going to have to deal with extensions for Sarge and for Ben Simmons, possibly. So they really got to really the summer to get some things done. Now they're sort of going to be in a bind where next next summer they really have to do something uh, before the other guys up for extensions. But I think that it could still be a win, but it could only be a win if the guy they drafted number one last year actually gets his head right and can become a player. Because I think Markel Fultz, he's sort of the X factor for them. Um, I, I think last year he was dealing with some things uh, that just sort of knocked him off course, and it probably is one of the more bizarre situations that we've ever seen where mm-hmm. the guy just completely lost the ability to play basketball when, you know, it's pretty evident that he was the clear-cut best player in, the, in a class that we've been raving about forever. We've been raving about this class, Jason Tatum, um, you know, Lonzo Ball, and, you know, all of these guys who were supposed to be taking the league by storm, you know, the best draft class. He was the consensus best player. There was no argument from the minute the college basketball season started that year. He was number one pick. There was no debate. Mm-hmm. He gets to the NBA and just completely forgets how to play. If he can get his head right and repaint his form for what they thought they were going to draft, maybe Philly doesn't turn out to be that bad because they have a guy potentially could be a true, you know, amazing talent. Um, if that doesn't happen, his folks you know, continues to become a bit of a mystery, they still have Joel Embiid, who still has another level of his game that he can go. Because you got to realize, last year was the first time he started playing back-to-back games. Um, he started to really get his confidence and his health and just what he could do on the court. He's already proclaimed himself as an MVP candidate. And I think we know that he can bring it on both ends of the floor. Um, if Joel Embiid you know, makes his improvement, Philly's going to be better. And if Ben Simmons can continue to do what he was doing last year, I think that they, they're going to be fine, you know, because it's not that they didn't add anything. I don't know if they they, they lost some shooting. You know, Ilya Sova and Mar- uh, Marco Bellinelli, they, they were huge contributors to the second half of the season. They really played Brett Brown's system to a tee. They they, uh, they went on a huge run after they added both of those guys because they just fit so perfectly. Um, getting, getting Wilson Chandler could be a nice pickup, but really Philadelphia's improvements is going to come down to the guys who they spent all these years tanking. they got to get something out of it. they got to get you know, Embiid to improve. they got to get Simmons to improve. And we got to get something out of Markel Fultz. I think if they do, then I don't, th- I don't, I don't expect them to drop off. Uh, at all, because Simmons and Embiid are just their transcendent generational talents that you really have to be fortunate that are, that are on their team. Um, all the other moves, while they may have been fine, it wouldn't have mattered anyway because Philly's not it's only going to go as far as those, those, those two guys are going to take them anyway. That's fair. I think if you look at Fultz in particular, you know, there were rumors that you know, the Spurs wanted him in a trade for Kawhi Leonard. So maybe in hindsight, this in this offseason ends up looking like, you know, maybe it's the move that they didn't make uh, that looks better than the moves that they could have made. So uh, yeah, we'll see about, about that. Yeah, on the Kawhi thing, uh, Brett Brown, the former, you know, Spurs 
disciple, right? He's for assistant. He was there for all those years. He was there when he won the championship. So he's been there for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Who would know? Who would know Kawhi better than him? Yeah, it's true. That's who would true. know that situation better than him? He's really tight friends with Greg Popovich. The fact that they didn't go all in to try to trade for him made me think they, they knew something was up. Right. Right. Yep. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't like they, they were just like ignorant to the situation. I think they were pretty well aware. And I think the rumor was that, or it could be the case, that the, uh, the Sixers team doctor was also the guy that he went to get a second opinion on. Mm-hmm. They, they knew all about Kawhi Leonard. If they weren't willing to give up Markel Fultz for him, that means that one, two things. They weren't truly confident about Kawhi's health return, or they really had a lot of confidence that Fultz was going to be special this year. And, uh, if the latter is the case, then I'm really intrigued about what Sixers are going to do this year. That's a good point. Once again, we're talking to Michael Lee of Yahoo Sports, the NBA senior writer, uh, at Mr. Michael Lee on Twitter. Um, you know, I know you've been tweeting about this Hall of Fame class. Uh, it's headlined by Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Grant Hill, and Ray Allen. Those four guys were great players for a long time. I honestly think it's hard to separate between the four. If I were to pick someone who had the best career of the four, uh, I might say Jason Kidd because he had a, a lot of the accolades and won a title. Um, who stands out to you as maybe the best of those four if you had to pick? Ooh. Um, I'd probably go with Kidd as well um, just because he was so dynamic and um, just the way he pushed the tempo, the way he set guys up. Um, you know, he was like like a mini magic I mean, just in terms of just what he did in terms of playmaking and just athletically early on in his career, there was nobody who was faster. And the fact that he was able to adjust his game to, you know, at one point being called Aces because he had no J. <laughs> and right. then ended his career being a guy who could hit, shoot threes. Um, you know, he was phenomenal. You think about he made the New Jersey Nets rep relevant. That is really hard to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> and the Mavericks to an extent. He, he, well, I mean, but he took the Nets to the to, to the finals twice. You know, uh, twice. And he was he was the MVP candidate. You know, that one year um, when he got traded, Phoenix. Um, he was just he was just a dynamic player, and he just you know the championship he won. That was more of a Dirk championship than it was his. Right. But he was he was a critical part because. By the end of his career, he was just a guy who could just block up guys defensively, hit those timely threes, and he was just a, such an amazing uh, playmaker, and he made everybody around him better. I think the term "making everyone around you better" I think really got popular because of Jason Kidd, because you looked at the guys who got paid, guys who got big time contracts. All of them were uh, due to Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd was a guy that made the guy. Calabrini paid. He got Kenny Martin paid. Everybody that ever played with, with Jason Kidd walked off with a bag. <laughs> I, think, I think that's probably his greatest attribute is that if you play with Jason Kidd, somebody was going to believe that you were much better than you were because he made you a really great player. So that's why I give him the nod. And then I guess second, I probably go with Ray Allen. Really? Over Steve uh, Nash? Two MVPs? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ray. He has uh, three rings. Yeah, and he's two or, rings. Yeah. He has two rings. Sorry. Yeah. He has two rings, and he's responsible for the bit, the biggest shot in finals history. 
Um, and I honestly don't know if people truly uh, know how good that guy is. You know, I, I remember when um, Bradley Bill was uh, was uh, in the draft, going through the draft process, and it was 2012, and, you know, people would compare Bradley Bill to Ray Allen. And for me, I was offended by the comparison. Wow. Because, because Ray Allen... Because because uh, people just thought Ray Allen is a shooter. You no, know, he that's what he people, could fly in his people, in his younger days. Ray Allen Ray Allen could do everything. There wasn't a thing that Ray Allen couldn't do on the basketball court. He could he could cross guys up. He could take it to the basket. He would dump on you. Mm-hmm. And he would drill it. And he would drill a three in your face. And he was getting like twenty five a game in Seattle and in Milwaukee. He was getting buckets. He was an amazing offensive player. But I think I remember asking Bradley Bill, I was like, you, since you've been compared to Ray Allen, so what do you think of those comparisons? And Bradley Bill's like, I don't really like them because people, you know, talk about my shot, but I think there's more to my game than just my shot. <laughs> and I was like, this guy has not watched Ray Allen play basketball. <laughs> That's pretty funny. His, his perception of Ray Allen was based on what he did in Boston, right? where he had sort of had to become a role player on that team could sort of be a spot-up shooter and wasn't really allowed to do what he had done in Seattle prior to prior to getting there. So he played a role as he got older, and he was efficient in that role, but he was so much more than that. And I think that because kids got to really go back and watch some old YouTube tape or watch some footage of him, go watch him play Connecticut, and, and you tell me that he, he couldn't do everything on the basketball court. He was an amazing basketball player, a complete basketball player, who was able to adjust and modify his game as he got older. He was a meticulous guy, and he brought so much. And, I, and LeBron James would not be accused the way he's viewed right now if not for Ray Allen. If he does not hit that corner three-pointer, we are looking at that Miami Heat experience experiment as one of the greatest failures in NBA history. And we are not judging LeBron Lee as, as, as fairly or uh, as much as we are now. We, we love LeBron now. He's a three-time champion. We love LeBron. He doesn't make that shot, and LeBron walks away from that experience with the Heat with one championship. We're looking at that as a complete, total failure. The reason why that happened is because Ray Allen got it done on that, on that, on that shot. And look at that, that Celtics, big three. They won that championship. You know, Paul Pierce was the MVP of that series because he, he was great. Um, obviously, KG was the heart and soul with his passion. But Ray Allen really came through for that, that team as well um, because he was willing to take a step back. Absolutely, and he's probably, he might be the best actor that has ever uh, played in the NBA as well because he got game with great movies. I didn't even mention the movie, man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and uh, when it comes to Jason Kidd, I think that might one of the things that you mentioned might end up being his lasting legacy, and that is... The guy who comes in the NBA is freakishly athletic, and that's how he gets his. And because he adapts and develops skills through hard work and practice, finds longevity in, in a second. I don't know if you'd even call it a second life. He just became better and better and better. You look at John Wall, a lot of these point guards that come in the NBA, they're like, well, people point to Jason Kidd because he's someone who developed a three-point shot even though he couldn't shoot early on. Um, but Yeah. Mike, uh, I, I really appreciate the time. Um, I'll, I'll let you go. That was fascinating stuff. Great stuff on what has been another 
very interesting NBA offseason. Certainly, it was an interesting one for the Wizards. So, as always, thanks for the insight. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.